Hey there and welcome to Soul Church. Our prayer is that this message encourages you wherever you may be in life. You know, we've been hearing so many stories about what God is doing in people's lives and we'd love to hear yours. So take a second and send your story to stories at soulchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us today and we hope that you enjoy the message. God bless. We're going to finish Psalm 23. So just remain standing. We're going to read this together. We're also going to read the promises that are attached to it. 17 promises in this beautiful passage. Let's read together. The Lord is my shepherd, my relationship. I shall not want my supply. He makes me to lie down in green pastures, my rest. He leads me beside the still waters, my way. He restores my soul, my healing. He leads me in the paths of righteousness, my direction, for his name's sake, my purpose. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, my teacher, I will fear no evil, my protector, for you are with me, my friend. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me, my guide. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, my hope. You anoint my head with oil, my anointing. My cup runs over my abundance. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord, my security forever, my future. Amen. Amen. Come on, praise the Lord. Thank you, God. So Father, we pray as we we bring this series to a conclusion, Father, you would seal it with your spirit. I pray, Father, just as you save the best wine to last, you'll save this last verse, verse 6, Father God, that surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives and we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Father, I pray that you'd reveal yourself afresh from this psalm today to people in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, you guys can find a seat. In this final verse, our shepherd gives us three reasons not to fear the future. Does anyone, would anyone be honest enough to say they have difficulty with the future? Can be anxiety, um, can be something we get worried about, tearful. Um, If that is you, if you struggle with the future, this message is for you, okay? And in this final part, the shepherd gives us these three reasons not to fear the future. Verse six, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David addresses humanity's three greatest fears in this final verse. Humanity's three fears, the big ones. I won't have enough. I won't have enough. Has anyone ever worried that there won't be enough? We're in this, this season right now of, you know, everything seems to be going up and in inflation and the fear is I won't have enough, enough to pay my bills, enough to get through. The second fear that we face is I've gone too far this time. Has anyone ever thought, oh my goodness, I'm not sure God's mercy, God's grace is going to catch me on this one. And so we're fearful. The third one is I'm afraid of dying. Who's ever considered the thought of what happens next? I'm pretty sure we have. We don't like to talk about it on coffee break at work, do we? We talk about, we, no one says, oh, how are you feeling about death? I mean, it's just not a conversation we're willing to embrace. I want to talk this morning on God's goodness, God's grace, and God's glory. God's goodness, God's grace, and God's glory. 
And if you have chosen Jesus to be the good shepherd, here are the final three promises attached to it. By the way, don't expect any of these if you have chosen a different shepherd. David said, the Lord is my shepherd. The 17 promises that we've just read out are given to those who put their faith and their trust in Jesus. The first promise is this, that God's goodness is watching over me. God's goodness. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. There has never been a second of your life where God's goodness has not been watching over us. If you've ever had a newborn or you've ever held a newborn, you know that, uh, that when you look into their eyes, you become fixated. When we first had our uh, firstborn miracle joy, for the first few hours, I was fixated. I could not take my eyes off her. The whole world is like carrying on around us, yet you cannot take your eyes off your newborn. In fact, one of, one of a child's first sentences is, Mummy, look at me. Daddy, look at me. They're wanting to show us something they're doing or attempting for the first time, and they want all the attention to be fixed on them. Now, here's the good news. God's so mammoth that he can pay 100% of his attention on you and 100% of his attention on the person sitting next to you and 100% of attention on the other seven plus billion people on planet Earth. We talked last week that God knows us better than we know ourselves. God knows every single detail of our lives. He knows the number of hairs on our head. He knows our secret habits. He, never, he, he, he knows every thought we have ever imagined. <coughs> Excuse me. He knows our motives. He knows our good, our bad ones. He knows our ugly ones. He knows where you're going to be in 10 years. Aren't you glad you don't? He knows when Norwich City are going to be back in the Premier League. He knows everything. <laughs> Psalm 145.20 says this. It says, the Lord watches over all who love him. God is protecting you from things that you don't even know about in your life. Disappointments, accidents, problems, hurts. God, you know, God's goodness even protects you and me from bad decisions. God says, I will not allow the consequences of our actions to happen to my children. Is anyone glad you didn't marry your first love? God protected you. Anyone wish you did? No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. So question, how does, how does God watch over us? How does God watch over his children? Two ways. Number one is through angels through angels. Angels watch over you and I. Now, I know this is like, feels a little bit like, doo -doo -doo -doo, but it's not. There are legions of angels in this world that God sends to protect his children. Right now, his angels are protecting you. His in Psalm 91, verse 11, it says, for he shall give, they're a gift, he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you to keep you from your bad choices, your bad decisions, your bad moments, your angry moments, the times you got it wrong, God promises that he will send literal angels 
invisible spiritual beings to protect you and I from ourselves, from other people. Talked about the three enemies last week. God will send his angels. There are angels right now in our kids' ministry protecting our children from harm. Literal angels are in there. Through angels. How else does God protect us? Watch over us. Through circumstances. God's goodness aligns itself through circumstances. Many of you know, as Chantelle shared, but in 2018, her father was murdered in a drive-by shooting in downtown Los Angeles. And in that moment, in our family, as we went through this trauma for, for weeks and months, we never could see any good coming from it. Because who knows, when the bad stuff is happening, it's very difficult to see anything good. She goes over six weeks later for her, her father's funeral. And then at the funeral, she bumps into this young lad. Anyway, that's her brother. It's a brother she never knew she'd had. And in that, she was able to start building a relationship with this young lad and realizes that they are literal blood brother and sister and form a relationship. Then she's invited up in front of everyone in this packed chapel to share Jesus, his grace, and his forgiveness. She stands up in front of a room full of gangsters and family that some she'd never even met and shares about the grace of God. Many of them seeking revenge, many of them wanting to do all sorts, but stands up and talks about the mercy and the grace of God. Grown men in tears. I believe that Chantel's ministry over the past five years has gone to another level since she's been through so much trauma and heartache. Ten days' time, she's been invited to a conference in the States to speak to over 10,000 women and share her story of God's grace and his mercy in her life. Now, hang on. God's goodness. God's goodness. God can bring good out of the bad. God's goodness is aligning itself in circumstances right now in your life. Does that mean only good things will happen to you and I? Absolutely not. Nobody goes through life and only good things happen to them. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter who you're related to. No one goes through life and only good things. But it does mean that if you choose Jesus to be your shepherd, good will come out of bad. We cannot control everything which happens to us in life, but somehow God always seems to be able to bring the good out of the bad, out of the ugly stuff. Have you noticed we don't sing, life, you're so good, life, you're so good. The government, you're so good, the government, you're so good. I'll move away from that one. My boss, he's so good. Come on, front row. We don't sing that stuff because it's not good. What we do sing is, God, you're so good. God, you're so good. Even when life is not good, God, you are still good. Now here's the challenge which David puts in front of us. The challenge is be able to look back and see how God's hand was on us in the bad. It's very hard in the moment, isn't it, to see the good. This week I started to think about some of the challenges of our new building and the finances and who knows, it can play over in your mind. And then you, 
I don't know, I was sitting, sitting in my chair and I was thinking about 101 different ways this could play out. Does anyone ever do that? You think it could go that way, it could go that way, it could go that way. And then God said and reminded me, I spoke to Richard, chairman of our board, and he reminded me how far we'd come in the last 12 months. And it was 12 months ago, just over 12 months ago, that I stood up in front of the church and I said that we've stopped work on the new building because of the nutrient neutrality issue within Norfolk. And inside, I'm like, I'm killing, because I'm thinking, we need to get this built. People have given and sacrificed so much, and, you know, they've stopped us building. It's out of our control, and emotion and frustration was building up. But in the middle of that mess, God was saying, good will come out of it. And that was a divine delay. You know, God will often place divine delays in your life. And you will not understand until you look back on it. That divine delay has allowed us more time to raise money. My faith and my trust is now deeper in God. We also saw firsthand how God can change the hearts and the minds of those in authority over us. And we can just stand and see. We don't have to fight. We stand and see. And we literally, as we went into the council office, we see what God could do as he changes the hearts and the minds. But we would have never seen that aspect of God, had we not been in the delay. And 12 months on, last week, you know, last week we, we gave some new church announcements, but you know the building is almost halfway. Almost halfway. All the internal walls are up, the heating system's nearly in, the landscaping has begun. Last week we announced that we sold Mason Road, the money's in the bank. We've got an opening date. In the last 12 months since the divine delay, we've raised 2.01 million pounds. Divine delays. Divine delays. I want you to say this out loud. Something good can come from this. Something good can come from what you're facing right now at work. Something good can come from what's going on in your children. Something good can come from the situation at university. Something good can come out of the bad. I believe the devil is a liar and God's goodness is going to reveal itself to you like never before. What if God said about, what about if God told you today, I'm about to turn everything around. What the enemy meant for evil, I'm going to turn around in your favor. This is the year of the Lord's favor. I'm going to turn it around in your life. What if these words weren't just comforting words, but actually promises waiting to be fulfilled in your life? Something good is going to come from this. And as I, was, as I was putting this message together, God challenged me. He said, it's not just something good can come from this. He said, you've got to change it. Because can leaves the door ajar to come. To come. You ever invited someone around your house for dinner? Ah, uh, I can come, I'll just have to see. That's a bit odd. What are we cooking? Are we coming or not? Are you coming or not? What's happening? Can come, might not come. And can leaves the door ajar for fear to creep back in. God said, no, something good will come. Something good will come. Turn to the person next to you and say, something good will come from this. Something good will come. 
Then God said, no, I don't want you to use the word will. I don't want you to use the word will because will is in the future. Will is in front of you. God said, I want you to say something good is. Present tense. Present tense. Often we love to shift our miracles. Oh God, just bless me in the future. Bless me this year. Bless me. And we shift it in the future. And God's saying he wants to activate our faith from future tense to present tense. Something good, not can, not will, something good is coming right now. I'm activating my faith today, right now. Something good is coming today. In this moment, there is a breakthrough coming today in Miracles in May, today in my finances, today in my body is coming. Goodness and mercy is following me. And God specializes in bringing good out of bad. Romans 8, 28, for we know all things work together for good to those who love God and accord according to his purposes. Good news is, the good news today is that God's goodness is also attractive to others. Do you know it's the goodness of the Lord? The Bible says in Romans 2, 4, it says the goodness of the Lord that leads people to repentance. You know when people start hearing you positive and start hearing you talking about the good things, even when you're facing the bad things, even when you can, you can, you can begin to speak faith when you're in the test, when you're in the fire, let me tell you, it is attractive to those around you. Isn't it, ama- isn't it amazing how birds of a feather flock together? You just see it, bad, you, know, the bad, you know, the bad news crew, they flock together. And the good news crew, they flock together. Here's the thing, you can't change the bad by speaking bad. But you can change the bad by declaring good. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Our job is to simply point people to God's goodness. God's goodness is watching over me. The second reason we never need to fear the future is this. God's grace is working in me. God's goodness is watching over me. God's grace is working in me. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. What is mercy? Mercy is grace in action. The prophet Isaiah said it like this in the Living Bible. I will now have mercy on you through my grace. What's the difference between God's mercy and God's grace? If you've ever been challenged with that question, let me really simplify this for you. Ready? Goodness. God's goodness. When God gives me what I don't deserve. That's God's goodness. God's mercy is when God forgives me for what I don't deserve. God gives me, God forgives me. God gives me, God forgives me. Is anyone grateful that God gives to you and forgives you? Both of these we don't deserve. I'm so glad it doesn't say that God's justice will follow me all the days of my life. That's what I deserve. I deserve punishment and justice and God says no. My goodness and my mercy, the two things which you do not deserve are going to pursue you 
all the days of your life. Now that gives me confidence to drop in and speak to him about anything that I need or anything that I've done wrong at any time. How do we know? Hebrews 4.16. So let us now come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his judgment. Mercy. And we will find grace to help us when we need it most. When you choose Jesus to be your shepherd, goodness and mercy, what we don't deserve is pursuing us and it gives us the confidence to come to him in our hour of need, in our time of need, and it gives us the confidence to say, God, right now, I've messed this up, but God, I need you to help me. God, I've sinned, I've fallen short. God, I need your mercy. And even that sin which you struggle with His mercy follows you today. Even that addiction that you can't seem to break, his mercy follows you. Even that habit that you have tried everything to overcome, his mercy follows you. His mercy, the Bible says in Lamentations 3.23, says the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercy never comes to an end. You know your parents' mercy may have come to a conclusion Your boss at work, their mercy, but his mercy, it never comes to an end. The Bible says it is new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. God's nature, God's nature is to show mercy. God's nature is to be merciful to his children. You know, when I think of goodness and mercy, I think of kids. My kids have grown up a little bit now, but this still happens. And as parents, I don't know about you, do you ever just spend your whole day following them through the house? Picking up, I mean, this was our front room when we left house this morning. I mean, it was, it was, in, it was in bad shape. And um, I don't know how we got out this morning. The kids have been out and about and that's not really our... Any other parent, do you just feel like you go around the house following your kids, picking up spillages, breakages? I mean, we've, we, have, we have found cookies in places in our, in our lounge that you would not believe a cookie could arrive. <laughs> Broken pieces of food, spillages. You know, we have no idea, we have no idea how many messes in life God's goodness and his mercy comes up behind us. God has picked up so many messes in my life. Is anyone grateful for his mercy? Is anyone grateful that he keeps giving to me and he keeps forgiving me? Is anyone grateful for his goodness and his mercy? Come on, we've got to stay thankful. His goodness and his mercies. In 2010, I got a glimpse firsthand of what true mercy was. I had the privilege through the church I was working at of going into Polesmore Prison, one of the most notorious prisons in the world. If you've ever seen uh, Ross Kemp on gangs, he visited this prison and did a documentary in there in, uh, just outside of Cape Town, South Africa. And there are 8,000 men squashed in rooms, some up to 80 people in one cell, as you can see here. And it was, it was very, very, very challenging. And 
Since then, we started a church in that jail, which is just, it's for another day, but incredible. And we were invited, we were invited by the, uh, the government of South Africa to be part of a restorative justice program. And on the restorative justice program, the, uh, the victims uh, are brought in to sit in with the offenders. And you sit on a table, and it's an opportunity for them to talk about it and somehow bring some kind of closure to often um, pretty heinous situations. On my table, I was invited as a pastor to sit down with a man who'd murdered 13 people. And he was a broken man and been in prison for many, many years. And then the family member of one of the victims was brought in. You can imagine the tension on the table. You can imagine the emotions. And this lady comes in and she sits down and she starts to share about the forgiveness, the grace, and the mercy of God. Takes hold of this gentleman's hand. And she says, I want you to know I have completely forgiven you in my heart. Now, maybe you have been a victim of something similar. I certainly haven't, and I have no idea of the pain that you have been through. I know my wife has. All I know is you can't forgive someone without, at that level without the mercy of God and an understanding of how much he loves you. And she sat there, and she led this man to Jesus. And I had a glimpse to the mercy of God. There's an old hymn that says, the violent, or the vilest, but the most violent offender who truly believes. Just a moment with Jesus, a pardon receives. And it doesn't and I'm not underplaying any crime, but I'm just saying God's grace is far greater than any sin. Any sin. God's mercy and his grace, it finds us even at our lowest point. And I don't believe that man will ever be released from jail. All I know is he did discover the mercy of God in that moment. And I understood firsthand that with God's strength and with God's grace, it gives me the power of that lady can forgive that individual, it gives me the strength and the power to keep letting go to those who hurt me and those who hurt you. And so today, we feel afresh the power of his mercy. Psalm 23, it reminds us that the Lord is gracious, even in our worst moments. You cannot outrun the mercy and the grace of God. As we look over our shoulder today, his goodness and his mercy are pursuing us. You know the literal Hebrew translation of the word follow there isn't actually follow, it is, it is, uh, it is let me write this down, it's chase you down. Chase you down. God's goodness isn't just following us like a stalker in the night, it is chasing you down. It is chasing you down. His goodness and his mercy is chasing you down this week. Jesus is literally right behind you. Number three, God's glory is waiting for me. God's glory 
is waiting for me. God's goodness is watching over me. God's grace is working in me. And God's glory is waiting for me. This psalm takes a very unusual turn in this last sentence. This is a big ending. It says, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You ever watched a film with a terrible ending? You're like, how can that, end? How can that just end like that? And then you Google it. Is there, is there, is there a sequel? Is there, is, there another, is there another series? Is something going to happen? Are you just going to leave me with this? Thankfully, this psalm doesn't do that. This psalm's had its moments. It's been in some valleys, on some mountains, been face to face with evil, under the shadow of death. But this psalm, it leaves us with this eternal hope. Because our, our, number, one, our number one fear is death. Humanity's big one is death. You know, there's probably not a day that goes by some of us, or most of us, wouldn't have some kind of thought about death. It's not a, it's not a nice thought, is it? It's not a, we don't like to talk about it too much. I mean, you don't go and have coffee with someone, oh, what's the subject matter today? You know, we don't talk about that. Talk about the kids, talk about the family, talk about work, but we don't want to talk about the thing that actually matters most, which is what happens next. Right at the close of the psalm, David says, guess, guess what? I'm going to give you hope on this one. I'm going to give you hope on the first one, which is God's goodness when you have nothing. I'm going to give you hope with my mercy and my grace when you feel like you've messed it up again. And then the shepherd saves the best for last. He says, death is not the end. It is just a transition. It's interesting. We can just put it back on the screen, the verse. Because one word ties the present with the future. The word and. And. You can miss that word. It's a powerful word here. Because the word and connects the present. The psalm has been all about the present. And then it changes right at the end. There's a big twist in the tale. It says and. And. It connects today with tomorrow. So if you have chosen Jesus to be your good shepherd... This psalm gets better and better and better. Because here's your guarantee. You get to spend eternity. Eternity. In heaven. You see, heaven is the fullness of God's glory. We haven't really even seen a glimpse of it on earth. When I was a little boy, my mum took me to Tatum because the queen was going to be coming past in the car. We stood on the side of the road waiting and she came past and few people gathered and we waved and she gave us a little royal wave, the group of us gathered. And I just got a little glimpse of the Queen. It's the only time I ever saw the Queen, just got a little glimpse. I saw her entourage, saw her car, saw her royal wave. The Bible says that we've only seen a glimpse. A glimpse, just a second compared to what God has prepared for us in heaven. Maybe you don't like talking about death, and I understand that because it's a difficult subject. It's difficult for us to understand. And in August, I'm going to be talking more around heaven and hell. I do that every year, Eternity Sunday. But this psalm, it really does finish with this eternal promise. In heaven, there is no more death. There is no more sickness. There is no more pain, no more cancer, no more divorce, no more lack, no more disappointment. No more of the pressures which come to this life. We get a little sneak preview throughout the Bible what heaven 
is going to be, but none of us, any of us can truly grasp the magnitude of what heaven will really be like. For us to try and talk about heaven, it's impossible because we don't have the brain capacity. It'd be like trying to explain to a spider what the World Wide Web is. It's just too big for our brains to comprehend. I do believe this, that heaven is not just gonna be a fluffy cloud where we fly around like angels. I believe that heaven will be the most amazing place on earth. It's a literal place like earth. And I think heaven will be a lot more normal than we realize. Because I think what scares people away from talking about or thinking about heaven is the fact of its abnormalities. But I actually think that heaven is gonna be a perfect earth. Imagine a perfect Galston. Hard to imagine. Imagine a perfect place where you live. A lot of people don't want to go to heaven because it's so mysterious, unrecognizable, or unexperienced. I believe the earth we now see and enjoy will be made perfect. And we will spend eternity together with those who have chosen to call Jesus their shepherd. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, No eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared. He's preparing a place for you and I. Earth is not our home. Paul said, for our citizenship is not here on earth, but in heaven. God has spent the last 6,000 years building you and I a home. This isn't a three-bed semi. Whenever God refers to housing in heaven, it's always a mansion. God has prepared you a mansion in heaven. You say, this sounds all really strange today. I'm just teaching what the Bible says about our future. We're here on earth for just a second. The Bible's like a vapor. Here today and gone tomorrow. We don't need to be afraid of death. Heaven will be our home for eternity. No weeping, no pain, no struggles, no hardships. We get to spend eternity with Jesus and everyone else who's called the Good Shepherd their own. I believe that these three truths that we share today are three antidotes for fear in our lives. The fear of, I won't have enough, God says, my goodness is watching over you. The fear of, I've gone too far this time. And God says, no, my grace is working in you. And the fear of, I'm afraid of what the future is like. I'm afraid of dying. And God says, no, my glory is waiting for you. And today we can go through this week. We can go through this week going, God, your goodness is enough. God, your grace is enough. And God, I trust you that you're preparing a place for me. I want to finish this series with a simple question. Do you know the shepherd? Do you know the shepherd? I heard a story this week of a famous actor who was invited to a, a social gathering. And people were excited to see this famous actor at the party. And that night at the dinner, people uh, were asking him to recite famous lines in very, different films and different genres. And there was an elderly minister at the gathering. And he said, I would like you, sir, to recite Psalm 23 to the audience. And the actor said, 
okay, no problem, I'll do that under one condition, that once I've finished, you recite it too. The pastor agreed. The actor gets up and he spoke so eloquently, perfectly. The crowd stood and applauded and cheered. Then the older pastor got up, less eloquent, wasn't perfect, but he recited it. And afterwards, there wasn't a dry eye in the audience. Everyone was in tears. And after dinner, the actor was asked, what made the difference? And he said, I know the psalm, but he knows the shepherd. The question is, because most people know the psalm or know elements of the psalm, but do you know the shepherd? Do you know the shepherd? Because everything that we've spoken about over these past four Sundays is built up to this one moment. Who is your shepherd? Who have you allowed to lead you through life? Some of you, it could be a sports team. For others of you, it could be a career. For others of you, it could be so many different things that it makes a decision, you follow it. But Jesus is saying today, would you allow me to be the good shepherd? And say, well, I'm my own shepherd, John. Well, that's your choice. I cannot guarantee goodness or mercy, and I certainly can't guarantee God's glory is waiting for you. None of us get to choose what happens to us in the future, but we get to choose who leads us into the future. We get to choose today to make Jesus the shepherd of our life. Can you honestly... Can you honestly, as the old pastor said, can you honestly say these words? The Lord is my shepherd. Not say it as a psalm, but know him as a savior. The Lord is my shepherd. I'd love us all just to stand and no one moving around because I want to give people an opportunity right now to respond. Respond to this question. Respond to the challenge of do you know the shepherd? He knows you and he loves you. He longs for a relationship with you. But the the question goes out today. Do you want to know him? Maybe you once knew the shepherd. You've kind of lost your way a little. You strayed and you disconnected. From time to time, these things happen, but today is an opportunity for you to come back and receive his goodness, his grace, and have the assurance of his glory. This is the moment for you to respond to the good shepherd. Maybe you've been here for the last four weeks. You've heard every single one of these messages. This this is the moment right now for you to respond. Maybe you're watching online. You're watching online and you're saying, today I want to receive Jesus as the shepherd of my life from the front to the back, left to the right, those watching in your living room, in your kitchen, driving your car, wherever you are, listening on podcasts, you say, right now, I want to say yes to Jesus being the Lord, being the shepherd of my life. I'm going to count to three. And all over this room, everyone online, when I get to three, just say, yes, today, John, I choose Jesus to be my shepherd. One, he loves you right now. Two, would you have the courage to respond to this love? Three, just slip up your hand, nice and high. Say, that's me. God bless you. 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 God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. Anyone else, say that's me today. 
See that hand. God bless you. Amazing. I'm going to wait just 20 more seconds so I feel at least a couple more people today. He said, I need to, I need to allow the Lord to be my shepherd. Don't try and go through life without having someone to lead you and guide you, to protect you, to provide for you, and have that assurance of His glory that awaits you. If that's you, just slip up your hand. I'm going to wait just one more second. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? Say that to me. God bless you. Amazing. Amazing. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Incredible. He holds it all together. He holds it all together. Right now, you've been trying to hold it all together. But God says, no, today, you're putting your life in my hands. I'm going to hold it together. My goodness is waiting for you. My grace is sufficient for you. My glory is being prepared for you as you place your life into my hands, into my care. We're going to say this prayer out loud. We're going to declare it with our mouths. But don't just say words. Believe it in your heart today. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me to forgive all my sin and failures so that I can have a brand new start. Please come into my heart and help me by the power of the Holy Spirit to trust and to live for you. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's congratulate everyone who said that. Amen. You said that prayer, you lifted your hand. Maybe you didn't lift your hand, but you really felt God speaking to you as, as the message was going out today online or in the room. We've got a gift for you. It's a Bible. If you're watching online, you can download on your smartphone a digital Bible and encourage you to, to read it on a daily basis. If you're in the room, I want to encourage you. Our team are going to be out in the connection area, big sign, connection point. Please take a Bible and uh, we want to give you some information. We're running a course soon called Follow Jesus. And today was day one of you becoming a follower of Jesus. And so we'll give you some information about when it runs. But our heart is that you would follow the Good Shepherd all the days of your life. And we want to help you and equip you. So congratulations. Make sure. Just make sure you speak to someone before you leave. Okay, don't just put your hand up and leave. We want to make sure we're equipping you and helping you. Give you the gift. Give you the Bible. And uh, this is, this will go down today's date, the final day in April, 30th is it today? 30th of April, 2023, the day where you chose Jesus to be your good shepherd. You'll never ever have a day like today. And it's a life-changing day. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's thank those guys one more time. Incredible. All right. Psalm 23. I hope as we conclude this, that I hope we can see it now more than just a funeral psalm. Psalm 23 is a psalm for everyday people like you and I who blow it, mess it up, feel like we, we have some fear. It's for written off people like you and I who wander off from time to time and we get a glimpse of the shepherd's heart. And I just want to finish with this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. Here's the good news. He's in tomorrow. He leads me. He's out in front. He's already in the exam hall. 
to all of our GCSE students and A-level students. He's already in the exam hall. Hey, that doesn't mean you can party all day today, all right? You've got to do some revision. He's already out in front. He's already planning your future. Bailey, he's already in, future, in your future. He's already out in front of you. So we can walk confidently into the future knowing He's already ahead of us. He's already in the new building. He's already prepared the way. He's already cancelling the mortgage. He's already ahead of us. He's already providing for you. He leads me. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Wait for this. He's ahead of me. He's beside me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Which means when I'm in the exam hall, when I'm in the boardroom, when I'm in the doctor's surgery, when I'm in the supermarket, when I'm in the fire, when I'm in the heat of battle, He's already right beside me. He's gone ahead of me and He's beside me. Now hang on. What did we just read in verse 6? Surely goodness and mercy What? Will chase after me. Which means goodness and mercy are behind me. Hang on, hang on. He's in front of me. He's beside me. I'm surrounded. I'm surrounded. I'm surrounded. I'm covered. I'm blessed. I'm forgiven. I'm highly favored of the Lord this week. Come on. walking into a new week, into a new month without fear, because God, you're already ahead of me. You will not leave me because you're beside me. And when I mess this up, your grace and your mercy catch me. I am surrounded this week. I am surrounded. Is anyone grateful that you're surrounded? Right now, if you're facing uncertainty, I want you to declare something good is coming. Something good is coming from this. Something good, David and Caroline, is coming from this. Something good. I might be in the battle. Something good is coming from this. Come on, who's got, who's got something they need to declare it right now? Something good is coming from this. Something good. Hallelujah. You hold it together. Hallelujah. I can't stop saying it. Something good is coming from this. Come on, we got to get this in our spirit this week because you're going to be tested. Oh, you're going to be tested. By the time you get home, you're going to be tested. You're going to be tested. Something good is coming from this. God, I need you to align my situation with your favor. Something good is coming from this. God, I need your angels to protect my children right now. Something good is coming from this. Something good is about to happen in my life. God's in the middle of your mess. God's in the middle of your situation. God's in the middle this week of everything that you're worried about. God's already there. God will walk beside you. And you know what? If we get it wrong this week, He'll clear up the mess behind you. That's confidence in God. Amen. Amen.
Come on, let's give God some praise. Thanks again for tuning in. And if you said the salvation prayer today, we'd love for you to email connecttofaith at soulchurch.com so we can talk to you a little bit more about this incredible decision that you've just made. Yeah, you know, and if at any point in the service you felt moved to give towards any of our local or global initiatives, then head to soulchurch.com and click on the giving at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us today. And we hope to see you again soon. God bless.